0: Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. Liquidchurch.com, living water for a thirsty world. All right, I want to welcome you to our brand new series, Wild Goose Chase. I'm Pastor Tim, and this is subtitled, Adventures in Following the Holy Spirit. And you're probably wondering, well, like, what in the world does a wild goose have to do with the Holy Spirit or God for that matter. Most of us are familiar kind of with the the symbol of a dove, sometimes represents the Holy Spirit. You'll see a dove in like church logos, and it's kind of taken from that moment when Jesus is baptized and the heavens part and this dove comes down symbolizing the Holy Spirit and kind of alights on him, but it's like a goose, a wild goose, honk. what does that have to do with the Holy Spirit? I need to take you back a little history lesson to explain that back to the 5th century and Celtic Christianity when the Christian faith made its way from Britain to Ireland, actually in Scotland. Do we have any Scots or the Irish with us? Any Irish people? Ah, they're clinking glasses in the back. Good for you. Uh, Celtic church dates back to about 400 B.C. when St. Patrick, who was a Scotsman, not Irish, St. Patrick went to Ireland and literally brought the gospel of Christ to that continent for the first time. Um, He actually evangelized the island in a very primal, kind of raw and spirit-filled Uh, a brand of Christianity kind of took root and broke out there. And the Celts had a very interesting name for the Holy Spirit. They called him Gloss, or the wild goose, because the Celts were kind of a naturalistic people, and they looked out at nature, and every creature they saw, they said, what does this tell us about God? And they said the Holy Spirit was best symbolized by a wild goose. And if you think about it, you know, doves are kind of delicate and, and docile kind of symbol of peace, but the wild goose was thought to be untamable, kind of this free creature, kind of unpredictable, soaring into the heavens, you never knew where it was going. Instead of a soft cooing, the wild goose was kind of noisy and raucous. And the Celts thought it kind of seemed to always be on the move, kind of taking to the skies under to the direction of God himself. Now, that may be weird to us on the East Coast, I'll just admit that. Uh, we primarily know geese as these kind of like domestic kind of pests who like kind of like, you know, get off our golf courses kind of thing. But if you've ever been up close to a goose, especially like a mama or a papa goose who's like guarding its goslings, you know, they could actually be kind of intimidating, fierce creatures. You ever do that? I took my little kids like, hey, we'll just give them bread. And it was like, you know, they hiss. Wild geese are not actually controllable. They are hard to catch and they actually have a mind all their own. And the Celts looked at a goose and thought in the same way, the spirit of God can't be harnessed. He can't be tracked. He can't be tamed. And there's this this element of danger and air of kind of unpredictability that surrounded him. And that's why the Celts called the spirit An Ged Gloss, or the wild goose. Because they saw life as as this journey that was constantly in motion. And the highest priority was to follow the spirit of God wherever he led, which was like going on a wild goose chase. You never knew where God's spirit would lead you next if you followed him. Now, we typically use wild goose chase to refer to kind of a pointless pursuit of, you know, something that's just out of our grasp, right, no purpose or destination. In life, we, we chase after all matter of things, right, that we think will give us satisfaction, whether it's work or money, relationship, relationships. We kind of chase after this stuff that says, you know, this will finally bring me, like, um, um, safety or security, or I'll finally be, you know, comfortable, and, and we like predictability and routine. But the truth is, is that when we follow the Holy Spirit or chase the wild goose, we experience God's wildness, God's power, and adventure in a whole new way. And and that's really what this series is about. It is subtitled, Adventures in Following the Holy Spirit. And my hope is that over the next few weeks, you're not only going to understand the Holy Spirit's role in your life with kind of fresh eyes, but I'm praying that you are going to experience his power in your life and the life of our church at a much deeper level than maybe you've ever experienced before. I personally think the Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood uh, member of the Trinity or the three kind of persons of the Godhead. We all understand the Father for good or for bad. We all had fathers, um, but then we we know Jesus, the Son, we can see him. But the Holy Spirit, most of us have no idea who he really is or the crucial role that he's supposed to play in our life. I think Most people assume that the Holy Spirit, honestly, is kind of like the force in Star Wars. Use the force, Luke, you know? Kind of this this, this unseen glorified force field. But what the Bible says is that the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force or power. He's actually a person with emotions and feelings. The Bible says you can actually grieve the Holy Spirit. You know what it is to grieve somebody? Actually, like make them wince. We can actually make God oh, kind of wince. We can actually quench the Spirit. In other words, He leads us and He prompts us. And as He's stirring something in our heart, we can actually go and not follow Him. But honestly, many many modern Christians don't know what to do with, with the wild goose. Uh, in the church I grew up in, um, very conservative, evangelical, most people gave lip service to the Holy Spirit, but were often suspicious of him because they equated uh, the Holy Spirit with kind of over-emotionalism or kind of having this, you know, okay, here we go, everyone's going kind to of have this divine word from God, and for some reason I have a feeling it's going to be about like giving money to you. How does that work? <laughs> On the other end of the spectrum, my wife grew up in a tradition that kind of em- overemphasized emphasized at times the Spirit's power. That's what she would say. It was actually used to judge other believers. They would say, well, uh, Tara is filled with the Spirit, but Mikey's not. Uh, This is a Spirit-filled church. Ain't no Spirit over there. (laughs) And that's actually a misunderstanding because the Bible actually makes clear as we're going to see every believer in Jesus Christ is filled with the Holy Spirit at the moment they first put their trust in Him. This morning we had 14 people actually say, I'm inviting Jesus Christ into my life for the first time. What that means among other things? is that they put their faith in Christ and he washes their their sins away with a fresh start and then he puts his Holy Spirit in them at that moment and a brand new life begins there. So the question is never, how much of the Holy Spirit do you have? Rather, it's how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? I mean, where where would you put yourself if I asked you that? If you had to answer the question, how often do you experience... God's power in your life would you you say rarely uh, you know once in a while or like all the time you know Maybe it's rarely like kind of like I remember like you know two years ago I was at this like concert and I kind of felt like something there, but I don't know That was like two or three years ago nothing since then (laughs) Or maybe once in a while you say well every every few times a year like you know Sometimes in church I'll just feel like God's speaking to me or 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 there's this moment in my life where I felt like I got a kind of a sign from God or or, but uh, you know once in a while Or are you like that rare breed of goose who says, "How often?" Are are you like kidding? Like every day, I am totally dependent on God's Spirit to lead me in my life. I don't like rely on my own ideas or plans. I actually, I look to God. He guides every decision. He actually gives me strength to make it through the day under His power, not not my own. Where are you on that? Because we're gonna see. The more we yield of our life to the Spirit's leading, our, our work, our school, our relationships, our careers, our passions, our parenting, the more we yield, all of a sudden life takes a turn. You get led in directions you never thought you would go before, where you actually never know who you will meet or what God might prompt you to do. Suddenly you're sitting in your office and what you thought was a human interruption becomes a divine appointment. A, a, a normal bush A shrub becomes a burning bush. The Celts talked about thin places, moments in life where it was like the Spirit of God was so palpable it was like the curtain got pulled back to reveal the the face of God himself. In John 3, 8, Jesus actually said Christians who were led by the Holy Spirit were like the wind. He said, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. And so it is with everyone, let's say it together, what? Born of the Spirit. The idea, guys, is that every Christian who follows on Ged Gloss, the wild goose, is actually wild and free themselves. Their life has a different quality to it. It's not routine. It's not bored. It's not predictable. It's not just stuck in a rut. It's life to the full. It brims over, as Jesus said. And you know what? I think that's exactly the kind of life that yearns in our innermost being. This desire for spiritual adventure, to actually be lifted by the tailwind of God's Spirit and wake up each day to follow this flight path that is marked out unique to us by God himself. The problem is I know few, if any, Christians, or churches for that matter, who've marked out that flight path very well. And that's really our goal. That's my prayer for this series. I've actually been praying for you guys for the last few weeks, and um, my prayer has just been very simple. I was like, God, just... just, (laughs) pray for myself I, would you blow fresh wind into me would you just blow fresh wind into into our church and fill us in a way so that your spirit is here in such a way that we just see stuff happening that is like it is beyond explainable and it points to jesus alone now look i say that right now and that sets off you know radar for some of you and i'm not talking like crazy emotional stuff okay if you're like me if you come from a conservative background your ears probably just perked up because you're all worried about like well, okay is this the happy clappy thing we're going like tambourines and flags and all that stuff. I'm not, I'm not saying we're going to start like uh, honking like geese or barking like dogs, okay? In fact, the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, you know he's present because he brings unity and clarity, not disorder and confusion. But he does long for us to actually access his influence in our lives with increasing power. That's like the norm if you read the New Testament. Read it, you can't just skim it. So that people would actually look at our church and our lives and say, man, that's, that's that is something. God must be behind that because those people, man, I may not agree, but they act different. <laughs> this is more than an hour on Sunday to these guys. They, 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 they serve, they sacrifice. The way. Have you seen the way they treat each other? They make choices that don't like make human sense. And because God's Spirit empowers our church, actually all the credit goes to Jesus and he gets the glory because he's the one who saved us, but then his Spirit is the one who fills us and li- lives out of us. So th- that's literally what I'm praying as we go on a wild goose chase together for the next few weeks A new understanding of who the Holy Spirit really is, and a deeper experience of His power in our life together as Jesus' church. So I want to pray and just kind of ask God's spirit, even just dedicate this series and ask him to reveal himself to us in a new way. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, a son, Holy Spirit. We do invite you into this place. We actually ask you to be here in a palpable way not just to empower our church for for great things. What we're asking, God, is that you'll literally begin changing each of our lives from the inside out. Right now, some of us, Lord, we're we're dull, we're tired, our hearts are just kind of bulletproof. Right now, by your Spirit, would you move into us and blow fresh wind and just, just fresher fire into each of us and that we may see Jesus lifted up. It's in his good name we pray this. Amen. (laughs) you <laughs> Ready to chase the wild goose. Are you ready? You're going to need a map. Take out your Bible, if you would, and turn with me to John 14. That's where we begin our chase. That's on page 749. And some of you are like, the Gospel of John, why not Acts? Isn't that where the story of the Holy Spirit begins? We're going to get there, but it begins well before that. In fact, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he actually shared his most explicit teaching about the Holy Spirit in all of the Gospels. And the context here in John 14 is that the disciples are doing something understandable, and, and I, I don't want to get all scholarly and analytical on you, but the Hebrew word here is, uh, is what they were doing is they were um, a freaking out. Can you say freaking out? They were freaking out. Jesus just said he's going to leave them. I want you to think about this. For three and a half years, Jesus has been walking alongside these 12 men. He has been loving them, teaching them, coaching them, talking, hey, this is what it means to literally walk with God. You're walking with Him right now. Here's how you hear my voice. Here's how you pray. Here's how you experience my power. And I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine if that Jesus was here today and you left your job for a, a literal internship with God in the flesh, three years, that would bring a little bit of clarity, wouldn't it, to what the Christian life is all about? But here in John 14, Jesus tells them, take a look at this, I'm about to leave you, and they freak out. That's why He starts here. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Now, just just skim the first four verses here because Jesus says this. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'll be back. In my Father's house are many rooms. I'm going to prepare this place and I'll come back and take you to be with me. And he's talking here about heaven and it's kind of cool because he uses this language that would have resonated deeply with a first century audience here. In that time, if you were engaged to be married, it was incumbent upon the bridegroom to literally leave his fiancé and go and prepare a place for his new bride. Before the wedding, the bridegroom would leave his fiancée and actually go back to his father's house and build an addition, prepare a place so he could bring his bride after the wedding and start their new family. And that's the image that Jesus uses to found his church. He's like, you are my bride. I am totally committed to you guys. And I am going away to prepare a place for you. So don't freak out. But of course, they do. In verse 5, look at it. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? This is Thomas, of course. And Jesus replies, just take a look there. He says, well, Tommy, download Google Maps. There's an app for that, you know. This is how you can find No, he doesn't say that. But he answers in verse 6. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this is foundational to our faith as believers. How can we know the way to God? Only through Jesus. Because only Jesus is both God and man. And when we unite our life with His, He literally unites our life with God, our Heavenly Father. We become children of God. I know there's this kind of thing going on, you know, that, you know, well, children, they're so pure and innocent. But the Bible says we are not born as innocent as some say. The Bible is like actually we're born into captivity, we're born into sin. That's why there's a brokenness about the world. And you need to actually be born again into the family of God, a spiritual rebirth. And that comes only through our trust in Jesus to be our Savior, the way to the Father. And this is funny to me because some people look at this verse as like, too restrictive, I don't like that. It's too narrow. There should be other ways to God. But this is crazy because 2,000 years ago in Jesus' day, this was totally liberal. This was like utterly revolutionary. Only a handful of people were thought to be able to live a good enough life to know God. And here comes Jesus saying, no, no, no. I'm the way, and anybody who believes in me can get reunited with their Heavenly Father. I'm the Son of God. I can reconnect you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. I'm the way to have your sins forgiven, your heart washed clean, and connected to God. It's not what you do. It's what I do for you on the cross. And people are like, no way. He's a liberal. So you understand why they were freaking out? They believed him. The disciples believed that he was the way, and this was, this was God in the flesh, the image of the invisible God, and now he's leaving, and it terrified them. Like he was throwing them in the deep end, just kind of leaving them all alone. But Jesus says literally, he's like, chill out, guys. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. Have some faith. Petey, calm down. Verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And then in verse 16, he says this. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another, what's the word here? Counselor to be with you for how long? Forever, he's called the spirit of truth. Jesus calls him counselor, and this is fascinating because the word translated counselor is parakletos or paraclete, and it combines two ideas. It's somebody who gives counsel, or actually downloads direction or guidance or leading to you. Think of like a coach. And then someone who gives Comfort. Someone who's able to console you and actually give kind of a sense of peace even during times of testing. Can we say this together? Counsel and comfort. Ready? Counsel and comfort. That's what Jesus says the counselor, the Holy Spirit, will bring the disciples after he leaves. And that's what he brings us. That's literally what the Holy Spirit is. It is the literal presence of God within every believer helping us live actually as the Father wants and giving us supernatural power to build Jesus' church on earth. You see, the, you see the prefix here, para, in front of the word. Uh, paraclete here, and if you spent more than five minutes in a high school Spanish class, you know what that means. Para means alongside of or before. You think of like the paramilitary. That's a force that supports the troops, provides reinforcements, marching orders. And the picture Jesus is giving here of a paraclete is like a a marathon coach. Have you ever seen that? Think of like a marathoner and a coach running alongside going like this. Okay, keep up the pace. You're making time. Slow down or you're, you're doing great or pick it up. The idea is that this coach or this counselor is going to come alongside of you and encourage you and actually give you direction. And Jesus literally has played that role himself for three and a half years in these guys' lives. And they got used to it. I mean, how great would it be to have Jesus like right alongside you that would be amazing. Like right now if Jesus was here, I'd be like, I'm just going to quit talking. Go ahead, you know. You know, you're you're standing around and it's like you have a bad thought and he's like, "I know what you're thinking." But Jesus is like, "I'm leaving you for a season. But I'm sending another counselor, another just like me. And he will be with you forever." But there's a little difference. He won't just be walking alongside you anymore. Instead, through my spirit, I will now be inside your body. Look at the second half of verse 17 here. It says, the world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives where? With you and will be what? In you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, don't rush over this because this is incredible. This is unprecedented. Because Jesus is saying, yes, I'm, I'm leaving, but I'm going to my father's house, and I'm going to ask my father to send the Holy Spirit to live not just with you, but he will be in you forever. Think about this at this moment. The literal living spirit of God in this room, online, in your, in your body, is alive and working inside your soul. This this is staggering if you literally stop and think about that. Because it means at this moment I'm not standing up here alone. Literally everybody right now, even under the sound of, of my voice, these are not just, these aren't my words of wisdom. These are literally God speaking his words into you, and it's the power of God animating that truth to life right now in this moment. That, that, that's crazy. That is crazy. I, I had to take like this time out this week to just get my mind around this because honestly, like a lot of believers, I've, I've lived much of my life believing that God's Spirit is alive, but he was out there somewhere, somewhere out in the heavens, kind of in the ether. <laughs> and once in a while, I'd tune him in, but it's kind of like a weak radio signal, like kind of high-level AM station. That's not what Jesus says. He says, my spirit will be with you and it will be in you. God, not out there, not just alongside, but on the inside of you. Do you remember a few years ago those computer chips that, uh, that came out, the Pentium chip that first came out? They actually stamped computers with that kind of label. It said, Intel Inside the power of Pentium processing. Jesus is like, I'm leaving and I'm handing out new t-shirts because it's a new operating system. It's called God Inside. I'm going to put my spirit and he will teach you how to process life. He will actually direct you. You'll hear him coming in. It'll be like my very voice guiding you, telling you what to do and where to go especially in times of need, and you feel you're all alone. And you got to understand something, guys. This this is an unprecedented moment. In the Old Testament, every single example of the Holy Spirit was God's Spirit touching down on an individual, not in somebody. The Spirit of God came on Moses. And then it came on David, and he led the people. And then it came on Saul. The Spirit of God was always on somebody, never in somebody. The Spirit of God actually came on somebody for the mainly purposes of like, you know, and it came on so he could lead the people, he could rout an army, but then the Spirit might leave. And so the Spirit of God left Saul and came on David. But now Jesus says, no, 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 new chapter. The Spirit will not come on a single person but it will be in every single one of you, right here, God inside. There's not a single anointing, but I'm going to be inside every single believer, including you, forever. And it will never leave you again until I return. And the disciples were like, me? (laughs) What are you you talking about? Maybe you're feeling that right now. Like, what are you you talking about? I come to church to worship God because that's where God is, right? changed everything these guys lives they were literally turned upside down by jesus's promise honestly i i feel like i'm at a loss how to adequately explain this to you because i was i was praying about this week because i'm like how do i do this justice how do i how god help me show the practical power of what this means because it's a game changer think about this What would it be like if you left here today with 100% confidence that the Spirit of God was inside you, empowering you, and literally supernaturally guiding every step you took tomorrow? What would that be like? If you really believed that, if you knew it. Well, last week, God brought that reality home to me and my family in a very unexpected way. It was actually through a surprise emergency. And I got a sample (laughs) just a taste of what it's like to experience God's counsel as well as his comfort in a moment of authentic need. So, a couple of years ago, we got this car that comes with onboard navigation. It's pretty helpful for people like me who are pretty clueless when driving. It's easy, you just type in the address, and it tells you which way to go. Please proceed to the highlighted route. Feel the wind Push me down. In one tenth of a mile, left turn. I call her Patty. I don't know if that's weird, but she tells me, turn left in one mile, merge on the right. And I usually say back to her, thank you. In a quarter of a mile, right turn. Sometimes I wish I could hear her voice all the time, especially when I don't know where to go or what to do. So last Friday night, my wife Colleen wakes up at 3 a.m. and she's got these intense pains in her side. It was kind of like her stomach and she didn't know what it was it kept going until about 9 a.m. and she was just like honey this is killing me so we actually took her to the doctor he wasn't there so we had to go to urgent care I don't know if you've ever been to one of those but they kind of take you and do a quick you know assessment and at first they thought maybe it was food poisoning then they said maybe it's a gallstone they don't know exactly what it was and then they finally after two hours did a cat scan and when they did the cat scan Proceed about one mile. Thank you, Patty. They realized it's actually her appendix. It was about to rupture. So the doctor says, we got to take this thing out. They have to take her appendix out. And then he gives me a choice. He says, which hospital do you want to go to? You want to go to this one or that one? The one hospital had like, they had their surgeon on call, but he said, it's not in your insurance. So he might not be able to take you right away. And then he said, the other one might be able to take you, but we're not sure. It's your call. What do you want to do? There are these moments in life when I just wish I could ask Patty to decide. You know, someone who is smarter, someone who is is linked up to a satellite and can see everything, someone who's smarter than me and can tell me which way to go. After Jesus was resurrected and he ascended into heaven, before he went away, he told his disciples, I'm not gonna leave you alone. He said, I'm gonna send you my spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is gonna live inside of you so that you'll know exactly what to do. In John 14, he said, The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's what the Spirit of God is. It is the very presence. Excellent. It's God living in us, leading us, guiding us, telling us where to go and what to do especially in times of crisis. In a lot of ways, the Holy Spirit is like an internal navigator. And if we make room for him, even when things seem cloudy or the directions seem unclear, it's like God downloads divine direction into our mind and into our heart so that we know which way to go. Next left and then keep left. So I had to make this decision. Do I take my wife to the one hospital or to the other? And honestly, I didn't know what to do, so I literally just prayed. I said, Holy Spirit, you've got to show me where to go. I don't, I don't know what to do. And then I remember I had a friend who works at one of the hospitals, and I called him, and he said, Oh, without hesitation, bring her here. I'll meet you at the emergency room. So they took Colleen in an ambulance, and they rushed her there. Lights flashing. I got in my car to follow her to the ER, and of course I got lost along the way. Proceed about two miles. But Patty got me there. They took Colleen immediately. She was actually in surgery within the hour. It was more urgent than they thought. Her appendix was in the early stages of rupturing. You know, when someone you love goes into surgery, you just just hold your breath. You know, you just, uh, Colleen wasn't in surgery more than an hour but I sat in the waiting room and I was just like, I prayed, I was like, God, please, you've gotta help her, help me, help the, the surgeon. And it was funny because my prayer actually changed at one point. I wasn't like God just heal her instantly. I had this sense that I should pray to the Holy Spirit to just hold my wife. And it was like 10 or 15 minutes and I just had this sense, this, this picture in my head, I could see Colleen's body, literally as if she was laying in the hand of God, in the fold of God's hand. And this sense of peace just kind of flooded me. And I had the sense that like God was saying, Tim, you can, you can let go and trust me because I have my daughter, your wife, in the literal fold of my hand. I can't tell you what kind of comfort that was. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He not only counsels us and guides us, gives us direction, but He comforts us in times of crisis. In talking about the comfort the Holy Spirit brings, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Colleen was only in surgery for about an hour and everything's fine. They did great and she's well on her way to recovery. It's a pretty normal emergency I guess. But I was different because I realized with Christ I don't have to go through life directionless or alone. With the Holy Spirit every believer, each of us has our own internal navigator and he gives us more than driving directions. He gives us the very peace and counsel of God Himself. Who's got a GPS? who's got a GPS, changes the way you drive, doesn't it? To know that there is someone up in the sky who has a bird's eye view of the entire landscape and can direct the exact direction that you need to go. Even when life throws us a curveball, and we're surprised and we think maybe God is too, not so. We don't have a satellite in the sky to guide us. We have God inside. Can you say that? God inside the Holy Spirit, like an onboard navigator, literally guiding us at each turn in life, even the curves you may be facing right now and have walked in here with today. And said, I have no idea what to do. I, I don't." In fact, that's actually a question I have for you. Right now, where do you most need God's counsel, His direction or His guidance in your life? You know, I had a family emergency last week. Maybe yours has to do with work. Maybe, maybe you're facing a transition or even maybe where to live or school or your job or whatever. Or you're, or you're facing a crossroads in, in, in your relationship. You know, this, is, this seems to be going nowhere, should I end this? Or it's getting harder and harder, should I, but should I, you know, stick this thing out? <laughs> and if I did, where would I get the power to even do that? Or maybe you just need guidance, divine direction to deal with a situation in, in, in your family. But if there was a, a pivot point in your life right now, or man, if you could dial in, You get the counsel and guidance of God himself, or maybe even just his comfort. Where would it be? Jesus' promise here in John 14, it still holds true for every single one of you. Every believer, God inside, the counselor, is still active today, and God desires. Think about this. He wants to give you direction in the big issues of life. Again, I just want to ask that to you right now as you think about that. What area of life... Do you most need God's counsel or his comfort? In fact, just to make this real and make it live, if you take out your connection card, and on the back of that, I would like to invite you actually to answer that question. If you could receive God's very counsel from God himself and download that, what area of your life would it be? If you're watching online, you can just type that in there on our iCampus. But I, I believe Jesus isn't bluffing here in John 14. And it wasn't just limited to his disciples in the first century. But the promise is good for every believer in the 21st century. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior and you're reconnected to God as your Father, you have the Spirit inside of you. And it may not be a very strong signal right now. I get that. In fact, you may never have even experienced His direct guidance or power in your life, but He wants you to. He wants you to with increasing measure. If you look at verse 26, Jesus says, he says, The counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will what? What's the word there? Teach you all things, and he will remind you of everything I've said to you. That's the counsel part. Jesus promised the disciples that the Holy Spirit would literally help them remember what he'd been teaching them. We're the same way. As we study the Bible, we can actually trust God's Spirit to to plant truth in our minds convince us of God's will, remind us when we stray from it, that's one of the ways you know it's actually God's direction, not just kind of like your own voice in your head. Because God's Spirit will never contradict actually what He has as a written word. That's how you test the Spirit. Does it, does, does what, it, what God's telling me, does it, does it coincide or does it contradict what He has spoken in His word? So if, if you're facing... Uh, a rough patch in your marriage and, and you're wondering, uh, should I, I wonder if I should you know, end this or, or stick this thing out. You'll be hard-pressed to find a passage in Scripture that says, oh, abandon ship now. Absolutely. just run. You may feel that way. You may feel that way. But if you bring it before God's Spirit and actually say, I will do whatever you tell me, He promises He will guide you and actually give you the strength to see it through. If you look at the next verse, it says in verse 27, the parakeet gives us, counsel look at this it says uh jesus says peace i leave with you my peace i give you see it there's counsel then there's comfort i don't give to you as the world gives don't let your hearts be troubled right now and don't be afraid again worldly peace is about the absence of conflict but the peace of god's spirit it transcends understanding it's about christ's presence in the middle of the confusion or crisis you're facing so those of you right now, maybe you're facing a frightening situation right now. I, I, I totally get that, but I just want to tell you, take heart. God longs to bring you comfort in the middle of your conflict. And he says he will give you peace if you are willing to accept it from him. But we have to put ourselves in a position to receive the signal. And that's what we're going to do right now to open our series together. That's what we're going to do. We're actually going to assume the same position that the disciples were in as Jesus announced that he was leaving them. That night when he promised them the the Holy Spirit, they were actually sitting around a table celebrating Passover. That's the context of what he's telling them. It's called the Lord's Supper. And Scripture says that Jesus took the bread and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, and it's about to be broken for you. This, This cup, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink, have your sins forgiven. And he literally said, I know this looks like it's not for your good. I mean, tragedy. My body, my blood, broken, poured out, innocent God, man, murdered. But then he says this. He literally says in John 16, he says, but it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, The counselor will not come to you. But if I go, what? I will send him to you. In other words, he's like, instead of freaking out, that you're going to be all alone and and, and scared, Jesus is like, you should be freaking out the other way because you will never be alone again because of this. Because I'm being broken. I'm about to send my spirit to live inside you forever. You will be intimately connected, empowered. This whole new reality is going to open up for you guys. Literally, if you spend time reading John 14, you'll probably do this in your life groups this week, but he, he literally says, he says, in fact, you will do even greater things than these. And you're like, really? He's like, yes. Now that my blood has been spilled, my body broken, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And I'm going to lead you on the wild goose chase of your life. And the disciples, working in the power of the Holy Spirit, they were, they were literally changed as Jesus left and sent the counselor. I mean, as we're going to see next week, they would carry the gospel from a little, little attic room in Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. You talk about a wild goose chase, wait till we read Acts. I mean, this is in a day when the average person never traveled more than 35-mile radius outside of his home. Those disciples literally went to the four corners of the ancient world. John chased the wild goose all the way to Asia. James set sail for Spain. Peter went to Italy. Even doubting Thomas... Chase the wild goose all the way to India. I wonder, I wonder, as you come forward to receive the gift of Jesus in a way of of kind of aligning your life and your will with the purposes of God, where will his spirit lead you? Jesus makes the same promise to guide us today. Same promise. And we're going to take communion as a way to align ourselves with his spirit and with his will. Um, when you come forward for communion, I want to invite you actually to bring your, your connection card up here as a way of almost like, um, this is like a prayer to God where you are asking for His Spirit in your life in a certain area and actually bring that up and leave it right there on the table and ask for the, the Holy Spirit. This is kind of a, a, a holy moment that I hope you will have with God And I'm being very intentional about not giving you three steps today of some practical application. Do this tomorrow, because I believe God's Spirit wants to speak directly to some of you right now in this communion experience. For some of you, this may be a powerful time of renewal. Maybe you are worn out, you're tired, or you've been going through the motions, or you haven't heard from God in a while, and you just need a fresh touch from God. Just come up here and receive His body broken for you, His blood poured out for you, and ask for His Spirit to renew you. Or maybe this is the first time you'll come forward actually as an act of faith. Maybe you've been kicking the tires for a while, but you never made the decision actually to be a follower of Jesus. And this is, this is your moment. This is a defining moment for you to say, I believe, help me in my unbelief, I believe Jesus is the way to God. You are invited to join God's family today at his table. Or maybe you're just like me. You've been a follower of Christ for some time and you just want more. You know there's more of God to be had. A deeper experience than what you've known in your journey so far. I, I, you probably can tell I'm a little jazzed about this because it's like as I'm saturating myself in the pages of the Bible and look at what an empowered life in the Spirit is supposed to look like, most of the time I'm like, my life looks nothing like this. There's a deeper experience waiting for you. Remember, the question is never how much of the Holy Spirit do you have? Rather, it's how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? I'm going to ask our campus worship leader to come on up here and actually create just some space for you to prepare your heart. He's going to actually play a song and it's kind of a song of renewal and I want to invite you to just take time to talk to God. You pray, talk to God and write out your personal prayer on your connection card. You're going to bring that up and and the question is where do you most need God's counsel, or his guidance or direction or his comfort in your life. And after a few moments of reflection, we'll celebrate communion together as one body and one church. So let me pray for us right now. Father, in this moment, we ask your, your spirit to be present in a palpable way. We know you are here inside the heart of every son and daughter of God. We thank you for Jesus. We receive the gift of his life sacrificed for us right now. We thank you for it. But Lord, we want a deeper experience. We want your spirit living out of us so that we don't go through life under our own power, but literally empowered by the spirit of the living God. So we take just a moment, this this moment, let's take a few seconds We confess our sins to you. We come humbly, we come with honesty and ask you to fill us.